Oh, the crack was good in Pinglewood, and they wouldn't leave the crown. But Glass is flying and Minnie's crying, so Paddy was going to town. Oh, mother dear, I'm over here, and I'm never coming back. What keeps me here? The rake of beer, the ladies, and the crack. I come from County Kerry, the land of eggs and bacon. If you think I'll eat your fish and chips, I tell you, Mr. Okay, welcome to the second edition of the Premier League Review Show uh, from Fever Pitch to Hurling in the Ditch, inspired by my co-host uh, Terry Hogan on Scarif Bay Community Radio. I'd just like to introduce the guests here. So beside me on the left is Terry Hogan. So Terry. Hello, I'm Terry Hogan, uh, erstwhile of um, London, and now I'm, I'm up in the uh, Capaban Heights or Capaban Glory Heights or something it's called these days. Uh, thank you, thank you, Terry. Uh, the other next guest in is our European correspondent, James Rowe. So James. Good evening, everybody. Hi, James. Hello. Thank you, James. And our that uh, our fourth country contributor today is Jim Pe- uh, Jim Plester from uh, Manchester. So, Jim, would you just like to maybe introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Jim Plester. I'm not from Manchester. I'm from Banbury in Oxfordshire. Yeah, sorry, I'm, are you? I'm a Manchester United fan. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. So, um, look, like all football shows this weekend, and indeed like all Premier League matches, we'd just like to acknowledge the passing of, I suppose, one of, I see him ranked as England's greatest ever footballer, the passing of Bobby Charlton. So our sympathies to his family and friends. And Jim, obviously a long-time Manchester United supporter, maybe you might give us a synopsis of the career of Bobby Charlton. Yeah, I, th- I think... Um I think what's what what comes clear when you talk when people are making their tributes to uh, Bobby Charlton it was was not only that he was a fantastic footballer it was the way he conducted himself on the pitch and then in subsequent years as an ambassador um, for Manchester United and and everybody said he was such a nice chap and he chatted to everybody I can personally testify that because my mum was at Wimbledon in the, the early 1970s and she was sat. Um, a few seats away from him, and um, he quite gladly gave her signed to her Wimbledon program. So uh, everybody said when he ever he met everybody, you know, he, he was kind and always took a few minutes to chat to everybody. So I think that's what that's uh, that's what stands out for me as him, apart from being a great footballer and a great finisher. Okay. Thank you, uh, thank you, Jim. Now, James, I suppose you in your in your uh, professional career, you often, I'm sure, heard stories of uh, Bobby Charlton. Was there anything you'd like to share with us? Well, I just concur with um, Jim really about the a great ambassador for the game, representing everything which is good about football. And uh, in an era where uh, players and managers will look to go the short route and look to uh, make the most of any opportunity at any given cost, even human cost, I think Bobby showed the way that it can be done with not only uh, fantastic footballing ability, but also an amazing attitude and a gentleman, gentlemanly manner as well. Well, thanks, thank you, James and uh, Terry. What are your own thoughts? Yeah, um, it's worth saying. Um, I remember coming over to Ireland when I was about sixteen, helping with the harvest down there in Ballycar, Newmarket, and Fergus. And uh, the first thing we always used to go out into the field and, and have lunch out there, and so on, and carry on until it was dark. And I remember um, when when I got a chance to chat to some some of the lads from around there, they all asked me about Bobby Charlton. One called him Bobby Carlton, I always remember. Uh, and they asked about him. And of course, George Best put Ireland on the map. And uh, I remember them as being an absolutely superb team. And I will say we had a. 
uh, an erstwhile um, football fan here in uh, uh, Scariff, and it was Kitty Long's husband, Eamon, yeah, and uh, rest in peace. But I was speaking to him a few years ago, and uh, he said he was at the very famous uh, match on the Saturday before the Munich air disaster, and uh, Arsenal uh, played Busby Babes, and uh, they had all the the great players that unfortunately died. Uh, fortunately, Bobby uh, Charlton got through it, as did Sir, Sir Matt Busby. But Duncan Edwards, who was they reckon was going to be a, a world class player, he unfortunately died in the air crash. And Eamon uh, uh, said he he was at that match at the old Highbury Stadium, and Arsenal scored four. And Man United scored five. So that must have been an absolutely stupendous spectacle. Um, and I always think of, uh, of Eamon whenever I think of that, that game. Um, and of course, uh, for people listening in, you're, you may or may not know, Islington was absolutely teeming with Irish people from the war years onwards, uh, the 1940s, the 1950s, the 1960s. Hence, we had people like Pat Rice come through and so on. Um, and that's why my dad and mum ended up there. So, um, yeah, they, they were one of the teams, even if you didn't support them. Man United was something special. They had Dennis Law up front as well. What a phenomenal player Dennis was. Um, and you had Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton... George Best. I mean, that's some fantastic team. So we want to wish a, um, a big tribute there to a wonderful player uh, who's unfortunately passed on, Bobby Charlton. Okay, thank you, lads. Uh, just one last thing, actually, that Terry brought. There was an Irish um, player on that uh, Busby's Babes team, Bill and he was actually uh, from Cabra in Dublin and there was a, a bridge dedicated to him uh, I think about 10-15 years ago and Bobby Charlton actually came back and unveiled the plaque for him so even though I suppose the Charlton name was enough to give you a lot of kudos in Ireland anyway but he himself uh, was, was very uh, honourable and very uh, always acknowledged the input and of course he played for Watford for a brief spell OK so, th- so moving on from that lads um we're going to look at the Premier League now. The Premier League is obviously uh, spread over three days this weekend. So, but the, there was two very, very big fixtures uh, b- before the matches we look at tomorrow. But the, there was two. There was the Tottenham match yesterday evening where Tottenham won two uh, one. Now they were winning team two nil, and uh, the, uh, what's it? Jordan Ayew got a goal in the ninety fourth minute, so to make it a, make it two one for finish. But uh, like Tottenham were in control most of the game. And uh, it's looking like Tottenham are going to be a real force in the race for the Premier League. So, James, what are your thoughts on on that fixture? James Rowe. Oh, hello. Uh, Yeah, well, um, I think it's very impressive from Tottenham, uh, losing their main man in Harry Kane. But again, it shows that the collective will always outperform the individual. And I think in the current day, when um, people love to salivate about Champions League um, football and about the prices of players, they forget that without the collective nature of a team, the star players can't shine. And obviously Son is a, an amazing finisher. Mickey van der Ven, obviously with the Dutch input, has, has grown so much from his days at FC Volendam. And um, Tottenham are doing very well, but it's a, it's a long old season as we know only too well. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens as, as time goes on. Oh, very, yeah, well put, James. Very well put. Jim, uh, have you any thoughts on the Crystal Palace Spurs match from uh, Friday evening? Jim, Jim Plester. 
Um, any thought? No. Uh, well, it's, it just seems strange to see Spurs at the top of the table. I don't know when the, the last time they were on the top of the table, but uh, it's, it's good to see somebody different there. Yeah. And Terry? Well, I was smiling there when, when Jim said it's good to see Tottenham at the top of the table, <laughs> which is lovely, Jim, thank you. Being, being an Arsenal fan, it's not much fun, but we've, we've had it our, our own way, as James will know, for a long time. I must say, you know, this is long overdue, um, uh, and I did look up this Ange Postacoglu and his, uh, his background, born in Athens and went off to Australia with his parents, when there was a coup in, in Greece, and uh, he grew up there. He was coached by the great Ferenc Puskas. So he's got, he was, his coaching pedigree was, was wonderful. He did all kinds of wonderful stuff, played for South, South Melbourne. He, earned, he ran the, um, the Australia under-17s and run three trophies in four years. Uh, the under-20s, four trophies in five years. Brisbane Roar. He, he won the A-League, that's the Australia League. Uh, he, he won Yokohama, the, the, the J-League. And, of course, if any of you listeners follow Celtic, and I certainly do, he won two premierships with them, a Scots Cup and a Scot, uh, two Scots League Cup. Now, you might say, well, anybody could kind of manage Celtic and uh, Brendan Rodgers has come and gone and done all kinds of wonderful things. But he was found out when he hit the uh, EPL. But it looks like Ange Postacoglu is here to stay. I will say, if you compare him to some of the young managers, like the Mikel Arteta, I think the thing you notice is he's been there and he's done it. And he's met all the kinds of things that anybody that's ex- experienced in their, their job or profession meets many, many times. And it's no, it's no accident that he's doing well. Um, he's bought very well. He's bought some not particularly well-known players. And uh, apparently the three defenders he was trying to buy in the summer, uh, they suppose wouldn't, wouldn't buy it for him. But uh, he's done a f- fantastic job. And all you can do is admire the fact that, as James said, they've, they've lost their star player, Harry Kane, who's, uh, whose people are from, from Galway, I believe. Yeah, I think so, so I'm yeah. still a, a little bit miffed that he didn't, he didn't play for Ireland. But, uh, but yeah, so listen, it's going to be an interesting season. But as you were saying, it's a long season, James. And uh, whether or not Spurs are going are gonna to see it through, I don't know. But it does make it exciting. Oh, it does indeed. And, but just to give you a flavour of, let's say, how multicultural the Premier League is now, the last, this is Big, this is big Ange, a Big Ange as they call him, and the last big character was supposedly Big Sam, whose European experience consisted of going to Limerick, while Big Ange <laughs> made, it, made it the whole way to Japan and uh, Australia. So anyway, moving on from that fixture, uh, we have... The early kickoff today, we have Chelsea and Brentford, which was a kind of an interesting match. Uh, West London derby, which is Chelsea and a bit of a mini revival, but uh, things kind of came unstuck. So, James uh, Rowe, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Please for Brentford to win at Stamford Bridge. Uh, um, obviously, um, doing what Aston Villa did earlier on this campaign. Uh, delighted for Mark Flecken as well, the goalkeeper of Brentford. I uh, interviewed him when he was playing for Dalsberg in the German third division back in 2018. And to see the, the progression he's made from that day when we spoke, you know, about his time coming through the, the youth set up at Old ESA and then going all the way down in the German third division to now becoming a Premier League goalkeeper and also an international goalkeeper. And... Um, 
you know, to play for a club such as Brentford. But Embuemo as well, it's, he's received so much stick from many YouTubers who like to say that he's useless when he's a competent footballer. I wouldn't mind having him at Arsenal with his, his physicality and his ability to strike a ball. It's tremendous. And um, just, I think with Chelsea as well, I think Pochettino's a very lucky man. You know, I think he's, he's vastly overrated. He did great work at Espanyol and Southampton and obviously did well at Tottenham. But you've also got to win things. And coming off the era that Chelsea have had to now be uh, in the position they're in, it must be uh, a little bit alien for some of their fans. Yeah, it is indeed. And uh, very. And uh, Jim Plester, uh, your thoughts on uh, Chelsea and Brentford? Can I, can I pass on that? You can indeed. There's no problem Chelsea. whatsoever. So, uh, Terry, your, what are your thoughts on uh, Chelsea and Brentford? Well, you know, I have a soft spot for uh, Brent, Brentford. They are, they're, 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 I think they haven't been in the, in the top flight for something like a generation or two. So it's good to see them coming through, make a bit of a challenge to the West London teams. And uh, their coach is superb. He's a German guy, isn't he? And he's an absolutely superb guy. He buys well. And when you think he's, he's at a smallish club, but he's bought well and, and goodness knows why Arsenal couldn't fin- finish him off a, a week ago. And that, that ended up a 2-2. So well done to uh, Brentford. And uh, it makes the EPL very interesting oh, this year. Extremely interesting. And of course, just on a, a more local interest, uh, Nathan Collins was playing uh, at centre-back for Brentford today. And the bit of I saw it, he was very good. Now, the only thing is, it's hard to distinguish him from, there's about four uh, tall, uh, blondie-haired lads playing for Brentford. <laughs> so they Everyone looks a bit like Nathan Collins. But anyway, it was a fabulous result for them to win away from home. Now, that brings us up to what would be a critical fixture. Look, the, before we go any further, I suppose, we might as well say the Premier League is very competitive this year. The big teams, we have uh, Spurs, Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool really are just uh, really all at each other's throats, really trying to, to get that. And then underneath that, you have a very, very competitive four, six, or maybe even eight teams pushing very hard behind them. But anyway, the, the second of those big teams that was in action uh, was Arsenal against Sheffield United. So, James Rowe, what are your thoughts on that fixture? Uh, delighted with such an emphatic win. You can only beat what's put in front of you. And uh, I thought that the second half, 10 minutes added on time, shows very much a sign of the times, you know, where the injury time is becoming... Games are no longer 90 minutes, they're 100 minutes. And for clubs that are uh, have bigger squads, it can prove uh, decisive... Uh, please for Enketia. I thought his goal celebration, knowing after his first goal, cupping his ear was completely uh, unnecessary. Mm. You know, I know we, I know we love to um, to praise our players, but you know there are young, there are young, uh, young boys watching this game, young girls watching this game, and um, you score a goal from close range, and then you go running to the um, fans to cup your ear as if to kind of shift them a little bit. You know, you are playing a team who's bottom of the league. And um, you know who's who's only but had one point and also been beaten eight nil at home. So we also need to keep things in perspective. But um, I think that Sheffield United, you know, the likes of Ben Osborne, who's very industrious, leaving him on the bench. You know, at, at the highest level, the smallest details make the biggest difference. And um, pleased for Arsenal today, but bigger tests lie ahead. Thanks, James. And oh, Terry, I'd go to you for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a great Eddie Nketiah fan, even after his hat, hat trick today. I remember I went to see a match a uh, good maybe two seasons ago, and we were playing Sunderland, I think it was, who were two two divisions below us. 
I think think he scored a brace and everybody was raving about him. And I thought, yeah, that, that's about at his level. Now, people have to remember, first of all, he was on Chelsea's books as a, as a young lad. They released him and Arsenal took, took him on. And now, obviously, he has improved. And a lot of coaches, this is a famous line you hear from coaches, they always think that they can improve players, you know. And obviously, uh, one of Arteta's strengths at Man City, anyway, was certainly improving players on an individual basis. And Eddie Nketiah has definitely improved. But he doesn't strike me as having, if you like, that sort of magic that somebody like Ian Wright had. And I was listening, I'm sure the listeners who are into football at all will have heard of Ian Wright. And Ian Wright um, played in non-league football until he was 22. And eventually he got picked up by Crystal Palace and uh, he, his close control was poor, but he, he could always score goals. And they trained him and trained him. And I thought their phrase to him, and he repeated it today as I was listening, he said, they said to me, we'll, we'll improve your, uh, your approach work and your closing down of people, pressing as they call it nowadays. But they said, in the final third, do your magic. Because if you have to start thinking about what you're going to be doing, the defender is thinking just as quickly as you are. And so that's what Ian Wright had. He had that instantaneous way he could improvise and find a shot out of nowhere. I'm not sure Eddie has that yet, but listen, things change. And as a person who taught children for uh, a thousand years, I think, um, we all say that a kid can come into your class, but never, never, never write them off at the, the level you sort of meet them and believe in them and give them small steps and little small improvements inspire everybody in any job. With, uh, so he's been inspired. Arteta has inspired him and he's made improvement to, to his game. And I was really pleased he scored today because we're not going to have Jesus there for a few matches. Got a few tricky games coming up. So uh, he'll, he'll get stronger and more confident. But I agree with what James was saying. This miss isn't a business of cup in the ear as if to say, well, I didn't hear, hear you sing my name before. That's unnecessary. Don't lose that, that vibe, that, uh, you know, that contact with the crowd. So I hope we won't see that cupping of the ear again. Uh, Jim, 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 just from your thoughts, what do you think of the Arsenal result? Jim Plester? Yeah, can I just? I really agree with what um, James and Terry were saying about this taunting of the opposition fans. I mean, if you can compare that with how Bobby Charlton used to play, you'd ne you'd never uh, you'd never contemplate him doing anything like that. I mean, he hardly used to celebrate his goals. Really, it was Dennis Law who uh, began this idea of celebrating goals. But this idea of going and taunting the opposition uh, players, I, I wish they I wish they'd stop that. Yeah. So, as you say, the, the the younger players are watching these games, and I'd hate it to become part of the the whole game that you go and talk the opposition when you've scored a goal. Yeah, um, not to be encouraged. Yeah, well said, well said, Jim, well said. So look, the other fixture is Bournemouth and Burnley. I think there was a bit of controversy in the Burnley match over a VAR decision, and Newcastle were playing Wolves. So now I think we'll go on to the Sunday fixtures now because they're the I suppose the 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 meteor fixtures. Um, all these fixtures have an awful lot of uh, how would I say. Um, riding on them I suppose before we start before we get to people's opinions there really is a kind of four outside of the four teams that's going for the Premier League there's these kind of Brighton West Ham 
um, Villa and I suppose Newcastle indeed that are putting they seem to be capable of beating anyone but also nearly losing to anyone so there's a lot of these teams playing tomorrow and of course uh, well the first one is West Ham and Everton I think that maybe might be the more uh, clear cut fixture of the, of, of the, of the lot but uh, James Rowe what are your thoughts on West Ham v Everton? Um, I believe that game will be a draw um, I think that Europe will take a lot out of um, West Ham they've done immensely well to have 17 games unbeaten in Europe a fantastic achievement and uh, for the people that write it off by saying it's only the Conference League may I also remind them that they also played in the uh, Europa League as well uh, any form of European football is good practice and something that most teams would give their right arm to have and going to Athens to play Olympiacos away is not easy, as Arsenal found out in recent years. But I think um, the, the preparation and switching from one tournament to another back to the intensity of the Premier League, I think it can catch up with teams. That's why I think that uh, tomorrow's game will be a 1-1 draw. Thank, thanks, James. Now, Terry, what are your thoughts on West Ham? Well, do you know, I've got a very good friend, um, Tom Campbell, who I happened to meet and befriend in Spain a good few years ago on holiday, and he's a real true, true blue, a true toffee fan. Uh, that's F, for those who don't know, that that's their sort of nickname, which came from the fact that the, the ground was next door to a toffee factory. So that's, that's why they called them the toffees. Now, they've had a... Of quite a few seasons in, in the doldrums now. So, um, for, for his sake, I'd like to see them do well. Of course, they've got the sort of Damocles hanging over their head with this uh, possible uh, diminution of, of 12 points uh, take, taken from them. Uh, of course, uh, it probably won't happen because if they lost 12 points, then how many points are Man City going to lose? They've got about 115 charges yeah, against exactly, them. Yeah. So, oh, and Jim Plester, what are your thoughts? How do you think the West Ham Everton match will go? Um, I think I probably agree with James. I can see that uh, that being a draw. I mean, Everton have got so much going on in the background. I I, I always think this affects the teams indirectly yeah. when there's uh, so much going on in the background of the club. It's, it's being bought out, isn't it, at the moment? I think yeah, seven 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 or something. And there's question marks over them even. So thanks again, Jim. Now the next fixture is an interesting fixture because uh, obviously you know Emery had a time at Arsenal and then he left and Joe was well sacked, I suppose. And uh, but he has worked supposedly on his communication. He's a very articulate man. Uh, who has a deep knowledge of football. And tomorrow his team are playing Luton and they're really going well. How do you feel Aston Villa and Luton is going to go, James Rowe? I, I'm, I, I predict a surprise in this one. I think Luton will win, oh, and um, I think that I think that Luton, although they've been written off by so many parties, you know, they're, older, they're going to be relegated by um, by Christmas, which was completely unprofessional for the uh, for the experts that said such a prediction. Um, they're full of endeavour, and Aston Villa had an amazing result midweek against I said Alakmar here. To win in Alakmar is not easy. But I think the attitude that Aston Villa have in the, in the Conference League is very much commendable. But I think, you know, the Premier League often throws up strange results, especially after European competition. And I, I think um, I think Luton are going to win 1-0 tomorrow. Very good, thanks, Jim. Oh, Terry, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll, give you, I'll bring it back to Ireland. I was in La Hinch during the summer, as most Clare people go from time to time. And a fellow with an English accent walked past me wearing a Luton top. I said, are you happy? He said, you bet. Well, I'd, I'm sorry, but I, I'm a great Villa fan and I, I'm a great Unai Emery fan. 
Um, I did read his bi- biography. It's not an autobiography, yeah. and it's awful. I don't advise anybody to buy it. it it'll, it'll be going cheap in Duns or sort of wherever the place is in Ireland. They sell cheap books. But he has a phenomenal history of turning clubs around. Um, he was with Seville, uh, run three, three consecutive Europa Leagues, the, the only one he lost was with, with, uh, with Arsenal, of course, when Eden Hazard uh, of Chelsea played out of his skin. Uh, he did wonders at Paris Saint-Germain. He won Ligue 1 and the Coupe de France and the Coupe de la Ligue. Um, and at Villarreal, he won the Europa League. I think he's pulling up trees in, in Villa. Yeah, I used to go and watch Villa when I was at college when, uh, with Jim, in case people are wondering how, we've, how I contacted Jim. We were old college mates in the music department there. And um, I used to go and see them. They were in the third division then. You had people like Alan Evans playing. and <laughs> It's a lovely ground. If you're into Victorian soccer grounds, it's a, it's a piece of architecture. Absolutely beautiful. But uh, I think Unai's got something special about him. And the way he was treated at Arsenal, I really have to say this, it was abysmal. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he made his best. He did his best to speak in English. And the, the mickey taken that was done by the poor, he, he used to say good evening, you know, and the fans took the mickey. It's a, it's a particular London thing, actually. Maybe you get it elsewhere. But if they hear somebody not quite speaking proper English, as they might call it, although you could question whether an awful lot, a lot of them speak proper English, but they kind of really gave him the cold shoulder. And... Um, I don't think he did did a lot wrong because I was thinking we talked about Man United earlier on. The the the, the person who comes in behind a, a really successful manager like um, David Moyes came in behind Sir Alex Ferguson. Well, of course it's going to be be difficult, you know. Um, and um, I thought he was doing okay. And um, I know I met James over there. Um, uh, the guy that's in Amsterdam, and I met him on a thing called Cannon Fodder TV, which is on uh, YouTube. Uh, as a teaching assistant in a school I was working in. Started it up. First programme from the Tony Adams statue outside Arsenal Stadium. And he was a t- TA in the school I was working in, and uh, he, it's going from strength to strength. He's got thousands of people. So basically myself and, and Alex think that the, the, a, a lot of Unai. So I think we should, we should watch him. Yeah. He's going to have a good season. Yeah. Now, Jim Plester, what do you think? How do you think Villa and Luton is going to work out? Uh, I'd, be, I'd be going for a, a Villa win on that one as well, I think. I mean, I, I used to go and watch Villa quite a lot when I was at school because it was um, an hour train uh, ride from uh, Banbury. Oh, yeah. And most of my friends were Villa supporters, so I, I watched them quite a lot uh, when I was younger, so I've got a soft spot for the villa, yeah. Okay, thanks. Nice ground, as Terry says. Okay, very good. Okay, lads, I think the other fixtures uh, are, are... Sorry, James, do you want to... May I just interject to give a couple of points regarding Unai Emery, if yeah. I may? Yeah, please, yeah. Uh, just to follow on from Terry's fantastic points, um, uh, particularly with Arsenal fans, they, you know, regarding the Unai Emery period, short memories, really. Uh, it wasn't just Unai Emery's amazing ability to turn teams around. You know, what you also have to remember is that he he got Almeria promoted to La Liga for the first time in 24 years. He arrived at Valencia when they were in pure dire straits. 
and he got them into the Champions League. And also as well, to have the bottle and the resolve to have your opening press conference as manager of Arsenal Football Club, hailing from the bus country and having the resolve and the bottle to do it all in English, how everybody was so proud of him. You know, this is our manager. This is our man. Look what he's doing. He's like superhuman. And then as soon as it turns sour, they dropped him like a, like a stone. And it remains something I'm, I'm highly embarrassed about as an Arsenal fan. You know, the way that Arsenal handled it, you know, to have Signelli barging down the changing room door, you know, and, 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 and literally belittling Unai Emery. And, you know, Arsenal's loss is very much Aston Villa's gain. Yep. Yep. Well said, James. Now, I think the other two fixtures, Brighton, Hove Albion and Liverpool are at home and I think they're against, they would fancy him to win. I think we might switch to Europe for a few minutes and uh, James Rowe, we might just get your thoughts. You have uh, obviously a deep knowledge of European football. So we'll start with the Man United-Copenhagen match. How did you think, what were your thoughts on that fixture during the week? Uh, well, I thought it was very much uh, vital for Manchester United to get the three points. I thought Garnacho literally destroying the penalty spot to give the young uh, striker the ability not to strike the ball cleanly. But a, a good save by Onana and a vital win considering that Munich also won in uh, in Istanbul against Galatasaray, which, give Man- which gives Manchester United hope. You know, lots of people, as soon as the Champions League draw is made, they love to kind of literally put their flags to the masks and say who's going to go one and two and, and but they forget at the same time Tim and uh, and, and um, Jim and um, Terry as well that um, it is tournament football and in tournament football regardless of level you always get surprises Very good uh, Terry what do you think of the Man United Copenhagen match? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Man United need a good European run now, the way their season's been going. Um, that's been head, heading down, really. They've had some dressing room trouble as well. I think Sancho is, is causing all kinds of ructions. You know, it doesn't seem like a happy dressing room. Although uh, they think Ajax now are going to go for the Arsenal uh, assistant manager as a, as a coach. So... Um, no, I'm not anti-Man United and I'd like to see any any English or, or indeed an Irish team doing well in Europe. Um, so I think you have a little story, Tim, about Oh, Copenhagen. yeah, actually, I think, yeah, <laughs> Man United, actually, I think Eriksson was playing. It was the first time I think he ever played against uh, a Danish team. And um, it seems there was actually uh, someone on it from his school time, from his old, old school old school by team they both grew up together in the well-known little village of Middlefart hang on I was supposed to, to, to uh, say that Tim <laughs> uh, for those people listening in and learning German you'll, you'll all know that the German verb to go is foreign so uh, so that's where Middlefart comes, comes from ok that thing's more serious <laughs> sorry Jim Pester uh, what are you, what, were you impressed with Man United against Copenhagen yeah, I mean, as a, uh, again, as a Manchester United supporter this season, you can imagine it's been very disappointing and frustrating. Uh, I think, as Ter- Terry said, there's something there's something wrong with the dressing room, the way uh, some players perform. I mean, even Casemiro, um, my friend, I've got a friend who's a season ticket holder and he goes every week and he says, Casemiro had a great season last season, but this season has been very disappointing. You know, so I think the best thing for Manchester United is if they get uh, demoted and go into the, the Europa Cup, because I can't see them doing any good in the uh, Champions League. Yeah, you know, very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Jim. Now, the other big, uh, fabulous fixture, a very interesting match, was Seville versus Arsenal. Now, uh, the performance of Jesus was outstanding. James Rowe, what do you think of that game? What do you think of that performance of Arsenal? 
Uh, delighted uh, to have won for only the fourth time in 18 appearances in Spain. Historical, really. Yeah. And um, I certainly didn't expect Arsenal to win. I thought an amazing goal by Jesus. Declan Rice, I think, had his, his best game in an Arsenal shirt in that game. I thought it was imperious. And um, hopefully Arsenal, with two home games coming up now, can finish the job to... Um, to finish top of the group, to have that second leg at home in the last 16, you know, the Arsenal had 25 bites of a Champions League uh, slash U uh, U European Cup cherry. And this is the last opportunity because I, once again, I reiterate, um, fans don't really understand how the dynamics are going to change next season, where the Champions League becomes literally a super league in everything but name, where literally it, it, it's pulling up the drawbridge. It's ensuring that the likes of what we have this season with Real Sociedad winning in Lisbon, which I thought was an amazing result to win in Benfica, and um, and Lons, who I believe will get through the group along with Arsenal. Um, that this, it's highly likely that those two teams will play in the last 16 of this season's Champions League. But with the dynamics of the Champions League changing next season, it's literally pulling up the drawbridge and ensuring that it remains a closed shop for only maybe three to five teams to win for the next three to five seasons, which I think will be disastrous for what was once uh, an amazing tournament, which is slowly decaying year on year. Thank you, James. Now, Terry, did you, what did you think of Arsenal against Seville? Well, you know, we've had a, a pretty, over the years, for a, a so-called, I shouldn't say that being an Arsenal fan, but we are a, a big club, yeah. certainly a UK club, and our record in Europe is pretty poor. I must say, I've actually been to a European final that 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 uh, that Arsenal won. I, I was at the dis disaster <laughs> of the Champions League final as well in Paris, but uh, I saw us beat Anderlecht uh, three 0 at Highbury to pick up the the Fairs Cup. Um, and uh, talking about Copenhagen, they won. They beat Palmer in Copenhagen uh, to win the. I think it was the Cup Winners' Cup then. But when you think of all the big teams, Chelsea have won the Champions League twice. Aston Villa have won the Champions League. Goodness knows how many times Liverpool have won it, and Man United have, have uh, won it twice. So it's not good that a big team like Arsenal don't win. But I totally concur with what James is saying, which is if they make it a closed shop which, of course, all these big owners want. If they make it a closed shop, then you won't have the sort of magic of, of football or any sport where the so-called minnow or not fancied team can, can go on a good run and surprise us all. And I go to football matches or, or hurling matches to be surprised. You go, and see, you go and watch Scarif play or you go and watch Clare play. You don't want the big boys of Kilkenny winning all the time. No. Uh, the next big fixture I think we'll look at will be uh, maybe Celtic and Atletico Madrid. This was a big fixture, uh, Joe, a big fan, actually a uh, big crowd. And I suppose really Atletico Madrid, although maybe not at Real Madrid and Barcelona's level, are a, are a serious outfit in Europe. How did you feel this fixture went, um, Jim, Jim Plester? Can I, can I pass? You can, can indeed, pass James Rowe. What, what are your thoughts on Celtic versus Atletico Madrid? Uh, well, first off, well done to Celtic because yeah. Atletico Madrid uh, have two games in hand in um, at the moment in uh, La Liga. Where if they win, uh, if they win both, they go joint top. And I, I, I can wax lyrical about Antoine Griezmann, an amazing footballer. Uh, you know, someone that you would want in your team. You know, such a an amazing player, such a gifted player. You know, uh, to be a World Cup winner, to to move to San Sebastian from. Um, 
near the region of Lyon in France as a 15-year-old to pursue your dream to be a professional footballer and then some. You know, I, I think he's an amazing footballer. I really do. And um, I urge people to uh, look at the highlights of the recent um, national team game between uh, between Benevolence and France here in Amsterdam, where he gives a pass out wide that leads to the cross which um, Mbappe scores from. And it looks like such an easy pass, but it's not. And the weight of it, and and the the interesting thing with Griezmann recently, he's it's as if he's being asked to pay two roles, you know, attacking midfielder and also defensive midfielder. But to have the maturity to be able to fill both roles at his, I wouldn't say evergreen age, but he's he's not a spring chicken anymore. But it's a it's a great um, attribute to have, and he's a, a fantastic example for any young player, you know, to keep your. Um, to keep your skill set, but also imagine having him as a teammate. You know, I was in, I was lucky enough to interview Denis Solanovic, who played for Atletico Madrid when Griezmann first arrived in his his first spell at the club. And he said, even in training, people would just be laughing and joking, but training really hard. Yeah. So he, he was like a bit of a joker in the pack. But you worked hard during training, but you but you didn't notice it because you was having so much fun. Oh, very good, thanks, James. Actually, it's, I just made my one out. I see a, a, a review of French football there recently, and it put um, obviously Platini and Zidane as the best two footballers, but it put Anton Griezmann at third. Actually, but now I know Kylian Mbappe would probably maybe be in that position in a couple of more years. But that that was prior to the the World Cup. So I think we've had a good review there of uh, the Premier League fixtures to date. Uh, the ones coming up tomorrow had a. Maybe a whistle stop tour of Champions League. Now, the main reason we're here, one of the big reasons we're here, is the the Manchester derby. And look, it's one of the great fixtures. It's uh, I suppose we've had Irish players on both sides. We've had it's I suppose along with the North London derby, and I suppose maybe lesser extent the Merseyside derby. It's definitely one of the key fixtures uh, in the Premier League every year. So it's on next uh, tomorrow at uh, half three. And uh, so Terry. There's a thought process now that Manchester City have become even more physical and have embraced the old 16, 17 centre-backs philosophy well. Do you f- uh, well, George Graham of Arsenal had that philosophy. He kept buying centre-backs and rumour was you, you keep buying them so that nobody else has, has a decent centre-back. I must say, I can't really see anything that's going to trip Man City up except themselves. They've, they've now got this big palooka up front. So, so if, you, if, uh, if, if working your way through a team or, or around a team doesn't work, you can always lob it over the top. And, and he's such a, a big guy. And for a big guy, he's still, he's still mobile. So they kind of cover all bases. I must say, it's, sometimes it looks very tedious to, to watch them play. And uh, I know Deserby at Brighton does this sort of long ball. You you get the ball in from the, if you like, the defending third into the middle third, and then they just launch these 50-yard balls up to their their, uh, their wingers and trying to catch the, the defence wrong-footed. It makes for, for much more exciting football. And um, uh, uh, it's going back in history, an old, uh, very famous Arsenal manager, Herbert Chapman, of the 1930s fame, uh, he wrote uh, he wrote the book. Um, in fact, it was a collection of articles he wrote for the D- Daily Express. And in one of the articles, he says a team can have the ball too much, meaning that the sort of counter attack is such such a magnificent weapon, and it also makes for exciting football 
But the way they're doing this pressing now, you push and you press and you push and you press. And to me, even though I'm an Arsenal fan, it's not that interesting if you're just a casual observer. So um, I'm I'm afraid I I can't see anything other than a Man City win. Um, But, you know... The magic of football is you can you can never tell. Maybe Casimiro will get get back on song tomorrow. Yeah. So Jim Plester, you've obviously been a, a, an intimate knowledge of all Manchester football. So uh, this present version of Manchester City, it's like I said, it's a very I would say physical, maybe defensive. Uh, they've changed maybe from the era of uh, Sergio Aguero. What are you? What do you think of the present Manchester City team? Uh, the, the present United team, they're, they're very disappointing, uh, really. I, I mean, I always say to people, they never, they never replace Roy Keane. I, I just thought he used to be uh, magnificent. I mean, you, you do need someone of his ilk in the side, and I don't think they've ever really um, replaced him. I mean, I'm a bit worried about tomorrow. You know, I think it could get um, City could win by quite a big score. As Terry says, you never know with football, but. Uh, I'm not very optimistic about things, and um, I just I just hope it's um, a bit more of an even game than I'm expecting. Right, thanks, Jim. Now, James Rowe, uh, you're obviously seen a lot of football, and indeed, you've seen a lot of Dutch football. What do you think of the present version of uh, Pep Guardiola's uh, Man City? Well, I think that um, Guardiola, for all the plaudits he receives, people have to remember that um, you know he he was heavily influenced by Johan Cruyff. Uh, Johan Cruyff was heavily influenced by Linus Michels, who won Ajax their first um, European uh, European Cup in '71. Michels, in turn, was influenced by the Englishman Vic Buckingham. So one influences the other, and for you know, you see the influence of Guardiola now, where you've got relegation teams trying to play out you know, from the back. You know, it's not healthy and it's not conducive to have all teams worldwide trying to play the same. Nobody's asking people to reinvent the wheel. All you're trying to do is you're trying to use your tactical ability to win a game of football. And I think that some people can go overboard with Guardiola. You know, obviously, being at Barcelona, starting out in the Segunda División, playing the likes of Numancia and Racing Santander and Saragossa, and, um, you know, being at Bayern Munich with a lot of investment, being at uh, Manchester City with a lot of investment. I would love to... Guardiola, at some point before he retires, I would love him to go to a, um, a Malaga, to go to a Cadiz, or to go to a, um, a Deportivo La Coruña, who are now in the, the second division, and, and bring them back up to a European standard. Because if you're that good, you don't need the money. Yeah. And his money, his salary at um, Manchester City is 20 million euros a year, <laughs> which is a vast a vast salary, you know, to be able to pick a, a squad of, you know, 16 players or 18 players and, and motivate them. But, um, yeah, I, I think Guardiola, I think people are now, it's going into a zone where the, the man is looked upon as a messiah. And, you know, as the saying goes, he's good, but he's not that good. Yeah, Actually, just to follow on from a point that Jim Plester made, uh, Terry, the central midfield area, Rodri is deemed now the more important than Haaland or even Kevin De Bruyne do you think that that's the way football has gone the central midfielders the Declan Rices the modern yeah. Ry Keynes is that yeah the way it's I mean gone? It's, it's not by accident uh, uh, that when, when we beat Man City there a few weeks back they didn't have Rodri in there and um, obviously we've seen Rice being Declan Rice being phenomenal for 
West Ham in their cup run, uh, last European cup run. And uh, he's, he never seems to get injured. I don't want to put these mockers on him by saying that. He'll fall, he'll fall over the cap when he goes home now. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, he played well today. He's a, he, he, he really uh, plays the ball. He progresses the ball through, through midfield. He's got that sort of magic thing. Um, so, yes, it has gone that way. Um, I don't know. I, I want football to be an exciting game because at the end of the day when you're at a big stadium like Arsenal over 60,000 people yes you'd like your team to win but I'd like to be entertained too Uh, can I just have a quick um, big thank you to uh, Jim uh, Plester who I knew from college days he's a big fan not only of Manchester United he's a big fan of Banbury United which is a non-league team and I get the same pleasure watching Scarif play or the under-15s or the under-14s or the, or the Camogie team. I get as much buzz as I do from, from those teams play as maybe these, these uh, multi-millionaire guys who cut their ear at fans. I mean, that's just bad form, you know. Yeah. So and I know you, you obviously follow Bambury, uh, Jim, and you're very, very pleased to uh, do that. Oh yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I feel the same. I'm gradually, um, as we've t- we've talked about this, my my um, my enthusiasm for Premier League football is gradually going down. But I I much prefer going down to watch uh, Banbury on a Saturday afternoon and get much more excited about that. You know, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, but they they play quite entertaining football, and and you can sometimes chat to the players after the game, and uh, I've spoken to the manager a couple of times, that kind of thing. I mean. Premier League football is just so distant from ordinary people now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, from the days when Manchester United players used to get the bus to the game, the Busby Babes, you know, they, you, you couldn't imagine the, the, the present team catching, getting on the tram to go to the ground, could you? So, yeah, I get more of a buzz out of watching Banbury United than I do Manchester United now, to be honest. Oh, very good, really. Yeah. Now, lads, just before we get to your predictions, we might just have a quick chat around about the great players that you've possibly seen through the years that have participated in the Manchester Derby. So maybe we might get maybe three players from each one of you for, for, that you felt were outstanding athletes or outstanding players that participated in the Manchester Derby. So, James Rowe, I might go to you first. Uh, my first pick would be Ryan Giggs. Um, I think because he went on so long, uh, people forget how good he was, especially when he first burst onto the scene. And, uh, you know, when he was driving at defenders, it, it was the most frightening sight in world football. So my my first pick would be uh, uh, Ryan Giggs. Very good. And your next pick then? Uh, my next pick, well, this might touch a, um, a, a sore spot with Arsenal fans, but Andy Cole. Uh, you know, obviously Arsenal had Alan Smith and uh, we had uh, Ian Wright, of course, but uh, the one that got away that went on to achieve fantastic things. I think he left for, uh, left Arsenal for Bristol City, I think, and then via Newcastle came to Manchester United. So uh, I think the prowess of Andy Cole and the finishing of Andy Cole, um, I think, um, is is very much underrated. And uh, I, I, don't, I also believe he didn't play enough for England. Well, very good. That's very interesting. And actually, just to inform you, Callum Wilson scored tonight for Newcastle and has has uh, passed him out in the Newcastle uh, list of all time scorers in the Premier League. But uh, so, and your th- your your third pick, James. Oh, my third pick. If I go, uh, yeah, just thinking off the top of my head, um, I remember. Be- I'm going to 
Sure, I'm going to say Steve Bruce. Uh, the oh, reason yeah. being is as a very young gooner who used to go to Highbury and watch Arsenal play. For some reason, I took a disliking to Steve Bruce. And I remember, I remember as a young gooner being on the terrace in the clock end. And I remember being with a family member. And obviously, young gooners can't say too much, too insulting. <laughs> and this will make many people laugh when I think... I, I recall myself saying something along the lines of... Uh, Obviously, t- taking a dislike to Steve Bruce and saying something along the lines of uh, Steve Bruce has got ants in his pants or something like that. And um, that's something that stuck with me. But obviously, he was a decent defender. Yeah. Obviously, you know, also played for Norwich as well. So uh, I think my third pick would be Steve Bruce in that respect. Thank you. Thanks indeed, James. Now, Jim, you've obviously seen maybe more Manchester Derbies than the rest of us. Who would be your three favourite players maybe to play in Manchester Derbies? Uh well, first of all, I think I'd have to go with George Best because he's he's the most exciting player I've ever seen. I did, I did get to see him live a few times in in the sixties, and he? he's such an exciting player to watch. And um, again, Roy, Roy Keane, I'd have to I'd have to go with Roy Keane. I, I thought he was uh, so essential to the uh, great team of the the nineties, all the work he did. So I'd go with Roy Keane. And then for Manchester City player, I always wanted to play for United was Colin Bell. I always used to love watching Colin Bell play. He was a great, great midfield player. Yeah. Well, thanks. Oh, Terry. Okay. I mean, there's one player that stands out above all players I've seen, and I've seen so many matches. um, And I've seen Pele play for New York Cosmos near the end of his career in Yankee Stadium. But the guy that stands out, I've never seen a player as good as him as George Best. Just unbelievable. I couldn't tell if he was left or right-footed. Uh, and in those days, we had some massive cloggers and kickers. And we had a, fo- a photograph of him at school up on the wall. And one was him in his shorts just before a match and then in his shorts after the match. And his legs were cut to absolute ribbons. A small man, he could climb, good header of the ball, and a dribbler and a pace to burn. I've just never... Again, a bit like Ian Wright, he had this imaginative streak and he could twist and turn and turn and twist. So nobody comes near him, um, definitely, of all the soccer players I've seen. Um, for, for, for Man City, I like Colin Bell. Uh, Colin Bell was uh, a bit like uh, Ricey now. He was, uh, he was a pro- progressor of the ball through, through midfield. He had a fantastic engine in him. Uh, and uh, when they had a golden period... Oh, God, it must be a good 20, 30 years ago. Uh, he did very well. It's hard to pick. A, uh, the only one, though, being an Arsenal fan, I suppose I have to pick, although with, with a bit of sh- chagrin, is uh, Robin Van Persie. Um, uh, I remember we played... Uh, <laughs> I remember we played Barcelona. Was it in a semi-final? And he scored a cracking goal and he got sent, sent off. I still think that's a very iffy decision. But we, we all know that elite soccer is, uh, is, what shall I say, questionable as to how refs arrive at these dis- decisions and brown envelopes. And, of course, he then went, much to the annoyance of Arsenal fans, he then went off to, to Man United and won them. Uh, well, he was the cherry on the, on the cake, really, for them winning under uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. But... Uh, Without a doubt, overshadows them all. I've never seen a footballer as exciting and as talented, gifted, just spring-heeled, just everything you could ever want to see, whether you supported Manchester United or not, that would get me 
to go to any grounds to uh, actually go and see him play. A yeah. delight to watch, even though he was only at the top for a few years, of course. Yeah. Okay, and look, just to finish out, my own three would be, well, actually, first I'm going to pick Ireland's greatest footballer, a star of St. Pat's and Inch and Core, uh, Paul McGrath. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> from Man City, we had an Irish band, Richard Dunn, I think was four-time Players player of the season in 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 uh, Man City, and the third one I think the player like uh, James Plester made a minute ago uh, that was uh, that really I suppose galvanised United or got them going in the nineties. But I think even more important than Keane was possibly Eric Cantona. He was that spark, that bit of magic. He got him going, and I suppose where it finished up, you know, was was just beyond belief. It was just he was an extent. I, I don't think he had the maybe athleticism and maybe discipline of others, but he definitely had a spark in the early nineties. as well worth watching. So lads, before we get your predictions just let people know we're listening you're listening to uh, from fever pitch to hurler on the ditch on scarif bay community radio and now we're going to get the people's score lines for the manchester derby james Rowe, i'm going to start with you uh 2-2 two, 2-2 two. Two, two. oh my god so 2-2 two, two. that's very good james that's very good actually uh yeah yeah that's very interesting uh J- jim plester um manchester city 3-2 3-2 manchester city. that's going to be a high scoring match um so Terry, I think Man- Manchester City four one. Manchester four one. Yeah, my God, that's there's no mercy there. So just uh, before I get my own my own prediction, actually I just like to say one thing. Uh, last January, I think it was Manchester United were going very poorly at the time, and Manchester uh, City played them actually, and they won. I think they won. It, definitely won it. They won a two one. I think Rashford and, and I think Fernandez got the goals. I think Greedish got the goal for Manchester City. So and no one at the time, and I mean no one, predicted that result. So I still I still think Man United have a chance, but uh, just to contradict myself immediately. After that, <laughs> I still think Man City will probably get the job done, but it might be closer. I would be maybe in the James Rowe camp that maybe possibly could finish up as a draw. Look, lads, uh, before we go, I'd just like to thank you for your contributions. Um, maybe we might just get your who do you think will win the Premier League? We're 10 matches in now, we're about uh, let's say nearly 40% of the way there. And who do you think will be the Premier League champions for the season 23 24? So, James Rowe. Um, I think Manchester City but I, I will say one caveat I think this will be the last one they win for a while oh very good uh, and uh, Jim Jim Plester well Terry's probably going to end our friendship now I'm, I'm going to go for Tottenham <laughs> <laughs> well look it's a, it's, a, it's a valid choice and believe me they're on top It's a, as someone says you can't be being in front and uh, Terry who do you think will be well, the Premier no, League it's certainly not going to end our friendship because I got a sneaking suspicion this is Spurs season Did but it, that's awful to say it's very hard to say for an Arsenal fan so I'm going to tip Man City but do you know what if I had some spare cash it might be worth put, putting a few bob on Spurs I could certainly win, see, see them winning the trophy and if you look at Post Coglu's record of success who who knows if they can get to Christmas still in the lead and not pick up a lot lot of injuries then anything can happen yeah very well said well said and just before we go just maybe a yes or no answer on this uh, do do you think Aston Villa will make a Champions League spot James Rowe uh, no, um, as, as, as well as they are doing, I think they will make, uh, I think they'll win the Conference League and I think it will be a big ask to uh, for them to win the Conference League. Uh, I'm confident they'll do that, but I think it will be a big ask for them to, to go so far in the Conference League and have a tilt at the Champions League, so therefore I say no. 
Oh, yeah. Terry, do you think Aston Villa yeah, make Champions League spot? I have to say, James has done a very considered response there. I think they'll win the the Europa because Un- Unai Emery's got the the sort of hoodoo over that. So I can see them winning that. But I think uh, they probably don't have the strength in depth to go all the way through to a uh, fourth place. And you've got a lot of good teams up there. We haven't mentioned Liverpool yet. Yeah, yeah, we just So, couldn't. you know, there's some good play- good teams around. Spurs are going, uh, uh, Arsenal are going to improve, I'm sure. So I doubt if Villa will get into that. They'll probably get into the top six. Top six. And James Lester, just to finish on this point on our show this evening on Scarf Bay Community Radio, do you think Aston Villa will make a Premier League or a Champions League spot in the Premier League? No, like I tell you, I don't think I don't think they've got the team in depth. They could well win the Europe, Europa, but uh, no, they haven't got the, the, the team in depth. I don't think to qualify for Europe this time. No. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks again, lad. So I just I thank in Amsterdam, James Rowe. I'd like to thank our our uh, new our new uh, correspondent Jim Plester, and of course my co-host uh, Terry Hogan. So thanks to everyone for listening, and hopefully you'll enjoy the match and enjoy listening to Scarf Bay Community Radio. And this was from Fever Pitch to Horror on the Ditch. Okay. Thank you, lads. Thanks, bye. lads. Bye now. You're more than welcome. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, the crack was good in Picklewood, and they wouldn't leave the crown. But Das is flying and Minnie's crying, so Paddy was going to town. Oh, mother dear, I'm over here, and I'm never coming back. What keeps me here? The rake of beer.